Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Right, we are back on Talking Comics, and of course, we're here with Steve, Bob, and Melissa is joining us once again. Um, but we have a very special guest today, um, one of the creators of Monocyte, uh, one of the members of 44 Flood, Kasra Gambari. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Uh, it's a little bit awkward. There's a silence before you push play, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real. I guess I got to do this, yeah. Yeah, you just got real. Um, so... For those of you don't, any people don't know out there, I like to ask, you know, what kind of was your origin story? How did you get started in this business? Oh man, yeah, we have a half an hour. Well, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, I was in. Believe it or not, I was working in biotechnology. I was working on um, cancer research, diagnostics, therapeutics, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and as strange as a start as that is, um, I was feeling kind of mired in it. Um, uh, I had always wanted to do something more arts related in my life, um, whether it was creating or supporting. Um, so to say, basically to stay sane, I started working with a lot of really young uh, artists whose work I believed in. It was almost like some vicarious transference weird thing where it's like, if I was helping them out and they were doing what they were doing, it made me feel you know better about my, my, my horrible life in biotech. Um, so... <laughs> That was about 10 years ago, uh, and I, I worked with some artists, uh, Scott Radke, who's, who ended up doing really well. His, his marionettes were in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, Tim Burton's film. Okay. And uh, Ted McKeever, who's a comic book uh, artist and writer, an incredible one. And I got hooked up with a friend who was working with Clive Barker. And we started working with him uh, specifically with the uh, Aberat series that he does. And it just, it just kind of blew up in my face where it didn't take very long for me to realize that this is something that I wanted to do full time. Um, I started a little bit of a, like a production company, a creative company called VEI, uh, art rep, publishing, uh, developing screenplays, things like that, uh, doing some film production for companies. And... Then I, I pretty much I met Menton and I started uh, uh, acting as his agent and uh, moved to Chicago. And about 10,000 hours later of conversation, we formed uh, 44 Flood. Awesome. So see if you have a follow up to that, right? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, tell us, tell everybody like, a little bit about 44 Flood, how that was formed and how that came about and like what exactly it is. Well, it's basically modeled on an artist collective. Um, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of like almost convergence that happened. Um, um, we met Ben Templesmith a few years ago, and uh, I had gotten to be good friends with him and and kind of wooed him away from his prior life and 
and, and sort of uh, setting up shop in New York City and got him to spend time in Chicago and, and move into our studios. And we're good friends with a local comic book retailer who's really um, should be a stand-up uh, comedian, uh, Nick, Nick Idell. Um, and, and, well, the, the four of us just started basically talking about the sort of things that we wanted to do, what we were frustrated with, what we wanted to see. A lot of the stuff Menton and I um, faced when we were making Monocyte, the things that they want, we wanted to see in stores, the, the artists that we loved, the stories that we wanted to see, and, and, and some of that being a little bit underserved. And rather than sitting there and griping about it and chain-smoking and complaining, uh, there was a point where we basically said, okay, what are we going to do? And, and the four of us ended up in a room together talking about those things. And we kind of realized there was a there was a little bit of a weird thing going on. Um, uh, not that it was profound or anything, just for us, it was a little bit strange. The, some of the synchronicity, where we were in our lives, um, uh, the, the sort of overlapping frustrations and dreams, um, all the way down to like just this design aesthetics and the way that we would do things differently and um, where our egos were even, uh, essentially. And so by the late spring and early summer of last year, we said, okay, we're going to do this. And, and, and Menton and I had been floating around some ideas for kind of a, 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 an oversized art book with a strange theme that would let you really experience art. It's a, like a, a big kind of core philosophy of 44 Flood is, is, is an individual's communion uh, with art um, and, and how we go about doing that. And it was a project called Tome. And we put our efforts all around that and, and, and basically launched the company and uh, a Kickstarter in June last year. Yeah, I remember, man. The, the response to that Kickstarter was absolutely insane. Like you, it was, had, <laughs> yeah. you, you, met, you met the goal that day within wow. hours, I believe. And, and then some, by the time it was over, you guys had such an overwhelming response that you added like so many more um, like rewards uh, packages and stuff like that. You created um, music and an album for it and everything, right? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we started out, it was, we, we made it a little bit bigger. We made it, uh, the, we extended the length of the book. Um, and then we added a, a CD uh, and, and we just mobilized like, like mad. I mean, we, we wanted to kind of meet the energy that people were throwing at us. It was, it was insane. Uh, it was insane for about for about four days. There were like six of us around a table with laptops answering questions, and and just it was it was awesome. It was like bipolar crazy, awesome. It was I, I've done a lot of drugs. <laughs> there is nothing like those four days. That was just real life. Um, yeah, we added a, a we're going to do a, a documentary film on a lot of the artists and, and the project, um, and it'll be an annual book. And, I've, you know, we've actually started on Tome 2, believe it or not. Seriously? Yeah, I mean, we got the advanced copy of Tome. I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now, and the, oh. the, books, the books, it's just gorgeous. It's, it's exactly what we wanted. Hopefully people will feel the same way. Uh, but no, no letdown at all, and the printer came through in a big way. And I think, I mean, I can tell you, we're going we're gonna to move up Tome 2 a little bit and try to have it out by October for uh, the New York Comic Con. So we're going to start it up right, right away in March, nice. right when Tome 1 is getting in people's hands. Very cool, man. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Melissa, Melissa, you've been a little quiet, so why don't you uh, chime in? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say me? <laughs> yeah, I said, do you have any questions yeah. you wanted to ask? Uh, um, well, it doesn't surprise me at all that you guys have uh, a second Tome lined up already. I mean... You guys have just become like 
a machine of productivity together. Pretty oh, incredible. Thank you. I, I, actually, you know, a lot. We have not been hibernating. We've been incubating. Um, <laughs> and and as soon as Tom is out in people's hands, along with uh, its companion book, Explicitus as Lieber, that, that'll come out at the same time in March. As soon as that happens, we have we have really a lot of announcements to make. And we, we went ahead with this uh, book, Lust, uh, that we did also a Kickstarter for in October with uh, Steve Niles writing and, and um, Ben Templesmith and Menton 3 on Art Shores and with Warren Ellis being kind enough to do a forward for the book. It's kind of a little a little all-star team. And we turn it into um, a, a Vice series. Well, there'll, there'll be a book exploring each of the vices and the corresponding virtue. Outside of that, we've been kind of quiet. Uh, we've been giving little sneak peeks about Tome and Explicitus and haven't even really talked very much about Lust. And we're actually been holding it back and, and maturing the company and what we want to do. And uh, we built out um, a catalog for 2013 that we're going to tell people about and roll out right when they're getting Tome in their hands all throughout the month of March. Nice. Very nice. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah. You have a lot of people uh, inside of 44 Flood. Is there anyone or any contributing artist that you haven't been able to snag yet that you would love to work with and bring into the collective? Oh, man, yes. Uh, that's one of, the, one of the amazing things for Tone with us and that people really enabled by, by their response in, uh, for the Kickstarter and thereafter is we get to do this every year. It's an annual anthology. And in a, in a, the incredible honor of that is that we get to almost live every day and look at the world and, and what's going on in art. Um, and we have a little bit of a vehicle to showcase it, like uh, on a little bit of a curatorial basis. So we kind of go back and forth about these slightly esoteric themes and, and what would be right. And uh, we have a theme selected for Tongue 2 um, that that is really going to give a lot of room for people to to explore some of their <laughs> some of their experiences even as an artist and expressing themselves as an artist and we get to look at the world almost through that prism everywhere we go and go you know that artist that artist that artist um almost just completely driven by our own beliefs and aesthetics um and and not driven by sort of overly commercial aspects you know if, if it's uh if it's some kid, you know, in a in a basement in Romania, that's just as relevant as you know someone who just you know, uh, you know, painted the, the the Vladimir Putin's official portrait. It doesn't matter to me. It's um, <laughs> it's it doesn't matter to us. I mean, we 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 have a little forum here, and we have kind of a a way that we've been able to communicate with one another, getting to know one another over a long period of time, and, and particularly Menton and I. Um, the last three years and, and very densely with monocyte where we can just, we can talk about artists in, in very direct and real terms. And, and we're like, that's something that we believe in. That's something um, that we want to sort of uh, bring in and explore and, and, and find out about this person, even if we don't know them. And then you find out, you find out what kind of person they are or, you know, how collaborative they are, um, whether they want to be involved in, in, in you know, um, something on a contributory basis and build up the tome and self. And you find out a lot about people, their art and how they reflect and mirror one another. And you end up meeting basically people that end up becoming your best friends when it goes right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Such, such good yeah. answers. That's awesome. Yeah. Bob, you want to... yeah, um, you guys, you guys yeah. are, you're, you're like, 
you know, before the recorder comes on, it's all like, you know, dick jokes and stuff. And then the recorder. <laughs> Shh, don't give like, away our secret. It gets serious. It's like super dry, like, man, yeah. I mean. <laughs> All right, Bob, your turn. Sure. Uh, no, what, was, with so many art. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, no, go ahead. You've got more to say <laughs> than I do. No, I was just going to go off on some sort of like horrible rant, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it close to my No, chest. go for it. It's a horror show. Go for a horrible no, I, rant. I have like I have a, like a really responsible position at Forty Four Flood, and I, I represent my 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 partners here, so I, I'm not going to say anything terrible. Okay. Okay. Uh, my question would be this: With so many artists in your collective, and as you say, you're you're trying to juggle the personalities and the styles. How do you select? Who does which story, or is it they're pitching to you? How does that process all come together? Well, with Tom specifically, there's a there's a theme, and uh, editorially, it's the work basically goes in. By the time you decide to um, um, ask an artist, and and if they graciously accept to contribute, by that point, uh, your work as an editor is done. You did all the work leading up to that, um, and the work afterwards is is some there's some management and discussion, and you know getting to know you blah, 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 singing and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but your work is actually done prior to even talking to the artist because at that point, you they have total free reign. They literally have real estate in that book. It's 12 by 18. It's about the number of pages, ideas that they have, any you know preoccupations or insecurities or like weird shit that they want to throw at you. You <laughs> listen to it, you talk, whatever. You form a relationship, but the work is done up front. When it comes to the other projects... Uh, a lot of it is organic. Um, it's not, it's not, we try to stay away from being hyper opportunistic, you know, where like something just springs onto our lap and, you know, like we see something shiny and grab it and we pay for it later sort of stuff. You know, we want to be a little bit more mature and, 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 and have a little bit of a longer uh, vision than that. Although, you know, that hardly ever works out, but that's a goal. And um, there are so many great creators out there that are themselves um, a little, uh, they feel a little canned, canned in and cornered, or, or um, they're just a little bit frustrated with um, the, the mechanisms by which their work gets out. And they look at 44 Flood and, and the way that we branded it and approached it and, and um, the way that we deliver content and our intent and how that we shepherd projects um, and how we design projects and where they're involved and all the way through to even... The, the terms relating to intellectual property and, and revenue share and the very fact that we're developing this platform where we can go directly to people and they're, you know, they just know, they just know that this turns them the hell on or it doesn't. It's like, it's not a problem either way, but when it turns them the hell on, we talk. And uh, through talking, we figure out a way to work together. And sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's five months. Well, Steve, you want to go? Yeah, I'm kind of wrapped in uh, what's going on over here. Oh, uh, la 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 la. Do you have any dick jokes on there? Oh, I've got yeah, I've got a big purple vein dick joke okay. that I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, roll out. No, um, you got a thing. dick pitch, Steve? Yeah. I, gotta... <laughs> well, I, mean, have I, I, I have a question. Kind of sounds to me like 44 Flood have become the uh, the pimp daddies of comic book. The big swing of dicks. Right <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're probably right. I mean, if we if if I had better Photoshop skills, that image would have already been posted. <laughs> All right. And what, what I like is that it's not it's not like you'll you'll see when we roll out some stuff. It's not going to be, um, you know, 
just comic books. It's not going to be um, illustrated prose. It's not going to be um, uh, just straight up art books. Everything's going to have a little bit of a twist, a little bit of the kind of a little bit of a, a 44 flood approach perspective and personality infused in it. Um, that's cobbled together from ourselves and all the things that the artists that we work with are um, contributing to sort of a, a little bit of a of a larger vision for the sort of things that we want to do and how they're realized. So they're gonna, there's going to be, I think there's going to be more CDs. I think we're going to do more music. We're going to do more film. We're going to do um, books that are going to be, you know, that may end up coming out um, and, and maybe even distributed for all I know through sort of New York, London or Tokyo based publishers and that have really nothing to do um, uh, with the comic book industry or they're not really graphic novel like in any way. Um, there's, it's going to run the gamut. Sounds like it. Um, I actually, I have a personal question for you. Uh, who are some of your literary heroes? I mean, you have such a, a, a detailed background, but when you got into writing, um, like what did you, what inspired you and what, what, what made you blend and meld into like Menton three and his art and stuff? Like, how did you find yourself in the group? Huh? Um, the, our, our kind of our roles in the group kind of just emerged uh, almost a little bit like a band that formed. We use that analogy a bit, but um, I mean, when you got Ben Templesmith, you know you're not going to be the lead singer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Nick's Nick's a big stocky guy, so you know you're not going to be the drummer. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, and then with Menton, you got the you got. You know, definitely the lead guitarist. So it's like that bass is looking really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, all of a sudden, philosophically, man, bands don't work without a bass. Bands don't work without. Mm -hmm. it. And then, man, without a drummer, you know, why the fuck are we here? And man, if if you can pull off being the lead singer, hey, you know, it's, and then you know that lead guitarist, you know, all the panties are gonna fly. That sort of stuff. Right? <laughs> so, I my role in it just kind of came out you know in, in that kind of way and then um we we were to be honest with you we were originally going to kind of do 44 flood um in parallel to our independent artistic endeavors aspirations what have you we were going to dip our toe in and do projects through 44 flood and uh, selectively bring projects in but but i'll tell you after we got done with tome and explicitus and turned it into the printer we kind of just looked at one another and said man, I don't know that I really want to be doing anything else but this because we've got ideas and people that we want to work with and we've realized stuff here in a short term um, that we couldn't have done separately and that's just incredibly, like, you just feel like you're breathing uh, better. Um, and I think basically since about December, we've all been fairly committed to, like, making 44 Flood, like, a full-time operating uh, 24/7, build out that catalog, do it year in and year out, and keep building even on top of that. Um, uh, and 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 there's no expiry sort of, there's no ceiling to it at all. Um, uh, but you also said what literary influences for myself or yeah, like who who did you read when you were when you were growing up that you like one of my favorite books is um, The Thief of Always by Clive Barker. I know you mentioned him before. Um, that was what, what inspired me to start writing. But what was it for you that, that brought you into like the literary front? I think part of it was feeling um, 
like uh, intimidated or having a, a lack of confidence or, or, or being overly um, um, compartmentalized when I was growing up. I have a twin sister and I had immigrant parents uh, who were terrified of us not having anything short of like, you know, 42 letters after our name and 16 degrees. Um, and um, my sister was the English guy and I was the math guy. And, you know, that was kind of the way it was when we were growing up. And uh, I still took all the advanced English courses and struggled and, and, and didn't feel like I really belonged. Um, and I remember that it pissed me the fuck off, really. Um, and senior year in high school, um, there were little bits of here and there, um, uh, de Tocqueville and Hawthorne and Poe um, and, and, and some just weird shit every now and then where I go, wow, that's, that's kind of different and weird and that really attracts me and what have you. But senior year in high school, when we started reading um, uh, Old Gorio by Balzac and um, Dostoevsky, um, Crime and Punishment, um, and the tragical rise and fall of Dr. Faustus by Marlowe, and eventually um, Faust, of course, by Goethe, and later on, uh, Conrad, Joseph Conrad, and uh, it, that really started opening my own brain up to the fact that it was eliciting things out of me and I could have my own relationship to the works uh, outside of any kind of classroom or, you know, you know, make a report, uh, impress me, you know, what are the symbol sets that are obvious that you should know about sort of stuff. Um, and then after that, I, I, I was like, reading wasn't something that I, I did nearly enough. I was in, in, the, in the laboratory and reading a lot of scientific materials and publishing scientific uh, articles and abstracts. Um, so some some occult and um, metaphysical and philosophical works were basically the counterbalance to doing that. It was almost like a, like I had to go extreme left to to balance the extreme right, although it was in tiny bits and pieces. Um, but the, I guess the the literary narrative just kind of formed over time very slowly inside of myself, mostly out of uh, feeling belittled and frustrated. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm sitting here listening to all this and I'm like, I read Harry Potter. <laughs> um, when Man, you... You know, see, Harry Potter's on my reading list and it's quite near the top. And, and I would like to think that <laughs> if, I, if I could just fucking relax a little bit and, and read Harry Potter, I actually probably, you know, evolved a little bit in my life. And... Harry Potter doesn't have any dick jokes, though. No, does not. No. no. Don't take jokes on Harry Potter. <laughs> Those are great books, man. They Those are. They're fantastic books. Yeah. And um, I'm sick and tired of watching the movies for the fourth time, and every single time my girlfriend pushing pause and saying, well, you know, in the book. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be able to do that. You want to be able to say, well, you know, in the I book. Ag I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, Steve, Bob, I, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead, Bob. Uh, real quick, uh, you mentioned all those literary influences. Now, let's say in terms with, with so much of your work in the, let's say it's hard, but it's a little more, it's more psychological than that. What is it that would scare you? What movie or book would you read that might have put the creeps into you a little bit? Ooh. I love this question. <laughs> well, thank you, Melissa. <laughs> Man, I fucking... I would have asked that question. <laughs> I hate this question. <laughs> like... I, I I don't even know, I don't know even what I don't know what scares me. I don't have like those you know you know the scream moments. I don't put my hands up to my mouth. I don't, you know, some of the things that scare me are like television commercials. They scare <laughs> the fuck out of me. 
advertising I'll, I'll talking babies or things right <laughs> i i dare anybody to not watch television for one year which is probably hard enough for most people um but don't watch television for one year and then watch commercials they will freak you the fuck out <laughs> any kind about walmart <laughs> yeah for walmart i mean you know, <laughs> forget i'm definitely more of a target guy too i feel a little bit more protected in there but <laughs> the any kind of like pop culture displacement that occurs and it's not just like a simple aging thing it's just like it is literally like i got dropped onto pluto uh and it's like what the fuck am i looking at i have no idea when i watch horror films you know i still i grew up around you know people who were way more concerned about whether the dog was going to be okay than people i always thought that that was funny Mm -hmm. and horror films don't really scare me um uh, so Man, what scares me? There, <laughs> coincidence scares me. Synchronicity scares me. Free will scares me, and uh, like uh, abuse um, of children, um, people being objectified, being called into action, and wondering whether you'll do it. You know, little moments like that. Those terrify me. Um, but but you know, not the horror genre. Cool. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Bob, didn't you have a question about Monocyte itself? Well, uh, we don't want to be too spoilery here, no, but no, no. I, um, I, as I read it, it, it's to me it's an allegory, but I'm not sure what it's an allegory for. So, are we? Is it technology versus the more natural world? Is it uh, just left versus right? Re- religious fanaticism against a more thinking process? What's the? Without spoiling it for anybody else, am I even close? <laughs> uh, you're. Everything that you said is is completely true and accurate and intended. Um, and but Menton and I spent way too much time on that book. Um, and I don't know that we'll ever be able to spend that much time on something again. It's just it's just part of how our our, our lives unfolded. I'd like to believe that we will. But in spending that much time, we we were very conscious about how we wanted to layer some of the themes, um, the allegorical elements, how they could play what we wanted to be a little bit more explicit about, what was a little bit more hidden. Everything that you said was completely true. I think personally and ultimately for him and I, because it was a process that we were going through independently of one another and we, we, we did together, um, of which in a lot of ways 44 Flood is the outcome of, is this idea, um, this very, very simple idea that um, it doesn't have to be this way, that we look around the world and... We see what we see, and it's 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 beautiful and and horrible, and there is a part of us um, that sees both of them simultaneously, and and has to basically decide um, uh, what what you know what comes forward and what sits back, and, and to what extent, um, and that asking the question, um, then how would you have it be? It was worth it enough uh, for Menton and I to spend two years on this book just to potentially have people ask that question of themselves. We spent two years basically hoping that people would ask that question. How would you have it be? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what world do you want to see around you? What change do you want to see? And as an individual uh, who's, who, who's part of it, um, what is the change that you can affect and, and how would you go about doing that? And, and honestly, that was really what the book was uh, ultimately about, asking the question. Awesome. Damn. <laughs> Glad I asked that question. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Bob's you, doing it right. Bob is doing it right. Bob's uh, kicking ass. Uh, Steve, have you got anything else? 
Uh, yeah, I got I got one more. Okay, lay it um, on him. Let me see. Uh, okay, if you could script any major character in the comic book universe, uh, whom would you choose? Modok. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. Modoc. Seriously? Uh, you are talking to um, the world's biggest Modok art collector. Oh. I don't know whether you knew that or not. Wow. No, no, I did I not know that. I have a collection of maybe four to five hundred pieces of uh, Modok art, and I'll. I have galleries set up at comicartfans.com, which is a, just an, an amazing website of art collectors from all over the world who post their original comic art, some illustration art, but it's like 99% comic art. And I've got galleries set up for, for uh, MODOK smoking cigars, MODOK love affairs with one or more female Marvel characters, uh, MODOK <laughs> alternative acronyms. Where, you know, I asked someone to draw... Uh, a maniacal ox designed to orate the Kabbalah, and they draw an ox as uh, a, basically a, a, uh, with a yarmulke um, with a Kabbalah, you know, that sort of thing. Nice. And uh, Art Nouveau, Modoc, cheesecake pinups, what have you. Uh, Modoc is a really a character that's really fascinated me. I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan, and I and I, I, I read Tales of Suspense growing up. That might date me a bit. I didn't read it off, you know. The, the rack, thank God. Yeah. But um, hey, hey, some of us, some of us did around here. <laughs> Tales of Suspense, man. Like, yeah. Come on. Oh yeah. That's like you know that ended around '68, I think. Um, <laughs> Don't remind me. Bob's Bob's <laughs> our older gentleman of the podcast. Yeah. But Modoc, I mean, that character messed me up a bit growing up. The few times that I saw him in like a, a Captain America book or an Iron Man or what have you, and. And uh, as I grew older and uh, appreciated Kirby's work a lot more, um, like the pre-superhero stuff that he did too, and those just mm -hmm. weird monsters that he did before issue 39 in, in Tales of Suspense, it's just, the guy was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, he, even if you don't necessarily, you know, love his style, uh, you, you got to appreciate just the bounty of, of creativity that that guy had and the generosity of spirit too. And so... Um, I started a Modoc theme in a little bit as a, as a like a, to sort of honor his memory a little bit because it's not one of his primary characters that's really known and he's kind of, you know, been lampooned a lot by Marvel the last five years or so, but he's a pretty interesting and fairly elastic character and if I could write anything, uh, I would want to write a Modoc graphic novel. In fact, I, I, I'm outlining a pitch. Are you really? <laughs> I have no idea whether I'll ever have the courage to show it to Marvel or, you know, what they think of it. But, yeah. Yeah. Aww. Love to it's, see that. Yeah, I want to read that. That's awesome. I mean, it's a character that no one's probably going to touch. So that's a that's a great – that's something great. Um, cool. Uh, Melissa, do you have anything you want to – Yeah, to I add? actually have one more question. Cool. Um, this is kind of going back to talking about Tom some more. But watching the um, updates from you and Ben and Menton, um, you guys – during the production of Tome, you guys – often went back and forth between kind of having a blast with it and then just being completely exhausted and, you know, kind of wanting to kill yourselves. And <laughs> um, I'm curious what, now that it's all over and it's in printing, what, what do you think was the most challenging point during that process? I know it's, it's kind of the, this book has been like a brand new project for all of you. So it's, and it's not really something that I think has been done before. So I'm interested in like, what was the point at which you just kind of wanted to, explode well i tell you 
Uh, Melissa, I'm a guy and I will never have a baby. And, and the analogy is overused, but, you know, childbirth ain't fun, right? You know, as we like to say, you know, women and children die from that. And then there's the moment a millisecond afterwards where there's your child. I mean, and you would not trade it for anything. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, and Tom, as a guy, <laughs> was, was kind of like that for us. Um, Menton and I were sitting in a really horrible studio uh, um, for six months talking about uh, Tome, and then and then we got to make it, and it was just it was in, it was incredible. Um, so really, the, the the hardest part of it was deciding to do it. Um, we all felt like um, if we started Forty Four Flood, if we were going to go out with Tome, uh, we were really aware of of how important it was to us and what we uh, wanted to do, intended to do, we're going to strive to do. Um, and I can, the amount of energy and uh, the amount of anxiety involved and resolution involved and all of us sort of going over um, our own personal cliffs and deciding to do it, that, that was way more than anything that followed it, not even close. Everything else is a shadow compared to that. Wow. No. Awesome. I mean, um, you've been going hard, obviously, creating, creating, creating. Uh, in your kind of process, do you find it important to do? You, are you also reading stuff as you go, or do you kind of need to get in that vacuum and, and just, you know, be in your own world to do what you do? I haven't really figured out how to take care of myself yet. I mean, if you guys got suggestions, you know, send me random emails and tell me <laughs> to do something, and it'll probably help me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it's, you know, if I stand up from my desk and I go wash like a coffee cup that I'm taking a break sometimes, and we're kind of all like that in the studio. Menton works absurd hours. Uh, ben, ben is like this, is, is so strange. He, he, he has like five things that he's working on at any given point of time. I, I don't even know how he does it. Um, but yes, uh, I do read stuff. I try to take a break. I watch a lot of uh, really good television. That's like the one thing that I know I can go home in the evening and watch like Deadwood even for the sixth time on Blu-ray. And it's like special, beautiful, awesome, fill the well stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like uh, Oz or The Wire or, you know, uh, Boardwalk Empire, what, what have you. And about, But uh, reading these days has gotten a little bit more uh, geared towards projects. I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and I have about 35 books to research for the Vice series over the next two years. Um, and it's almost like, like almost like writing a, a master's thesis or even a, 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 a doctoral dissertation. Uh, the, 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 almost the, the, <laughs> the seriousness of the books that are looking back at me right now. It's, it's nasty. Um, you know, but then I try to pick up some comic books. Obviously, we have a lot of friends in the industry, and anything that you know Riley Rosmo does, for instance, I'm going to pick up and, and, and take a look at. Um, uh, anything by you know Ted McKeever, anything by a lot of the guys that we work with, um, uh, I'll read. But outside of that, it's like it's it's like incidental news, links on Twitter, uh, industry stuff, you know, emerging platforms, business related things. And really horribly complex um, books on you know architectural forms and plans and vices and virtues through throughout the Middle Ages and weird things like that. 
That's wow, awesome. cool. That's oh. great. I mean, that's a really full fledged answer. Yeah. Right? You know? um, he's so thorough. He's very thorough, yeah. which is good. Uh, <laughs> it took, you, it took you, up our 30 minutes yeah, of time you, that we you, have you, with him. You're killing <laughs> my other questions. They already got answered. <laughs> we have a we have Menton here now. All oh, right. Hey. Menton 3, welcome to Talking Comics. Well, thank you for having me. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, Kuzler's been regaling us with many uh, great answers. Uh, I know that Steve, though, you had a couple questions right from Menton, right? Yeah, I did. You did? <laughs> I think did he answer of, them all already? I think a lot of them got answered. Um, <laughs> well, I have something real quick if you want. Yeah, yeah, okay. please. Um, you know, you guys working together and, you know, writing and art. How, how is your process, you know, together? How do you create together? You know, it's weird. It's it, working with Kazra is literally like working with my arm. Like we we work pretty seamlessly together. Like there really isn't an exact process. We almost come up with the same idea at the same time a lot of times. And um, I mean, before I met Kazra, I, I was really kind of against selling my paintings and and so forth. And Kazra, you know, became my art rep. And you know, pretty much every painting or panel or cover I do goes by him before it goes anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's he's like my art wife, man. <laughs> um, but I mean, like if you're talking specifically about monocyte, like I kind of originally came up with the the basic of monocyte, and he initially started poking a lot of holes in the story that I had, and and kind of and the holes filling in the gaps, and it was really just a seamless um, collaborative process that that really never taxed either one of us, except for the lettering on book one, but. Um, it's really seamless. Like I, I'm really lucky to have such an amazing friend. It, 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 I don't know anyone else that I can work with in an artistic way like that easily. Cool. Um, he was just saying that you work ridiculous hours. Like what, you, what's your secret to, you know, working those hours and not just collapsing? Uh, being okay with headaches. Just, you know, you decide <laughs> like, nervous breakdowns. Like you just, you know, I'm having a nervous breakdown and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I'm really lucky to get the work that I get. And, um, I've been offered a lot of cool jobs and I don't want to say no to them. And so it's a really small price to pay, I think, for being able to work in such an amazing industry and do what I love for a living. So, I mean, I don't complain about it. Um, I did have 10 days off last year. They were oh. good 10 days. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but at this point when I don't work, I, I feel I, I don't really know what to do. I feel like uh, in Talladega Nights when they're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> You're just sitting around and you're like, what are, is there things called parks and malls? Because I don't know what they do there. Um, but, you know, I mean, the workflow this year should ramp down after I finish Transfusion 3. Um, and, and I'm really excited about that because I get to work on some gallery shows and, and, a, and, a, and a new book at IDW. Um, which actually, haven't, we haven't talked about that yet at, to anybody. We should but, talk um, about that now. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's a good time to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a new secret. Uh, creator-owned book coming out of IDW this year that um, I'm solely writing and I'm solely doing the artwork for, um, title to yet to be disclosed. But it, it, it's definitely going to be a fun book. It's going to involve. Uh, let's see what do I want to say about it. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna involve uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's very specific. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Huge spoilers here Huge on Talking spoilers. Comics Podcast. There will, there will be words in this book. <laughs> That's something else. There yeah. will be more than one word yeah. in the book. There will be multiple words in this book. There will be no men. <laughs> uh, Steve, you have a question? Sure. Um, 
What are some of your, like, what's your favorite medium to uh, create your art with? Do you have a preferred uh, method? That's a cool question. And I absolutely do. Like, um, oil. Like, I love oil paint. Um, Digital's great. Pencil and ink. Everything's awesome. But to me, is this an adult podcast? Can I speak to Yes. Fuck yes, it is. (laughs) To me, like, inking and pencil and stuff like that have a lot to do. They To me, they feel like masturbation. And (laughs) when you paint oil, it's, like, actually fucking. Um, to me, like, there's just a, there's just a connection that I have with oil paint personally. Um, I just love it. I love the smell. I love how it gets everywhere. I love the difficulty of it. I love the easy, easy ability of it, or if that's even a word, it is um, now. but I really oil is my first and foremost love. That's why I do everything I do is to oil paint. Hmm. Um, I do digital when I have to, you know, to meet deadlines and stuff. I do pen and ink to like, you know, I guess kind of hone whatever bullshit skills I have. Um, but oil is really when I, I'm, I have the best time and like I feel fulfilled doing something. And I, I, I make my own oil paint sometimes. Like it's oil paint to me is just the uh, end all be all of everything. Like you know I make music. I I do a lot of stuff. But the height of like my enjoyment in life is seeing my kids smile and oil painting. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of music, uh, is there anything you could tell us about the album that's going to be coming with Tome uh, when it hits? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of awesome people to be on there. Um, just friends of mine, friends of Monica, friends of Kazra, um, and a lot of like, uh, you know, there were bands I grew up just worshiping and loving from like the 80s that uh, we were able to be involved with, like Tony Wayford, who I grew up listening to. He was in a band called Soul Invictus that most people, when they listen to him, they, they, they don't get it initially. And then they, they come back a week later and like, I can't stop listening to this. Um, we got him involved and... Um, Richard Walters um, involved and and so it's just a lot of cool people and um, you know me and Sarah did a did a track for it and we put some Saltillo stuff on there as well so it's a really really fun thing I mean we're trying to express with Tome that like we're into art and and to us the definition of art is does it move me mm-hmm. and uh, music is definitely something I think moves all of us um, so you know, we're just not trying to limit Tome to like one medium. And we have fashion in it. We have photography. We have oil painting, sketches, uh, everything involved in it. I mean, just trying to make something that moves people. And, and to me, like when we got the, the, I don't know what you call it, the, when we got the two copies of Tome in, the advances of Tome in, it, it was mind-blowing. I mean, it literally, me and Kazer both cried. It was mind-blowing to see this book um, that people let us make. Um, with all these artists that we we really believe, aside from me, all these artists that we think need exposure and deserve exposure, mm-hmm. and the way that we were doing it. But we had everything in tone from like Damien Eccles to Richard Walters to, and it's everything we love kind of in one giant book. And um, so I mean, the music was pretty important to us, and and I'm glad that the that the album came off well. Kaz was convinced that we're going to do a, an album each tone. I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I have a question for uh, for Menden. Okay, so every artist, basically, when they're growing up and they're finding out that they're becoming an artist or that they want to be one, I think everybody goes through a little bit of self-doubt. Do you have any specific experience or point in your career where you decided to not hold back anymore? You realize that you didn't have to and you kind of just let everything go? Who are these people with great questions, man? Jesus, because <laughs> everything's like, what's your influences? You know, like that's a perfect uh, question for Mentons. You, you, you know me, man. Do you want me to go? I mean, I can get pretty freaky on that one and get pretty personal. 
Do you want me to go all out on that question? Or? Go all out on yeah, it. Yeah, let it go. Go for it. Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, I was raised by an incredibly abusive mother. Um, she was fucking horrible and a drug addict. And I grew up in a really fucked up, uh, I had a very screwed up childhood in Mississippi where, you know, I just really didn't fit into the tribe. And I painted and drew when I was a kid because um, I'd found Bill Sienkiewicz. And it, you know, it was amazing to me to find somebody that was like, finally, I'm not alone in the world. There are other fucked up people like me. So I, I was decently... Uh, I guess you could say skilled as a kid at painting and drawing. And um, my mother basically would, if I sold something, she would take a lot of the money. Um, and she wound up doing some fairly like weird, abusive stuff with the art itself, like burning it because it was uh, devil worship and so forth. And so I figured that I could control this by just stopping. Uh, if I just stopped drawing, then it wouldn't hurt anymore. So uh, I just stopped and I decided to become a musician because then she couldn't really take that away from me as much. Um, so I kind of poured all that energy into music and I, I, I spent, you know, from about the age of 11 to probably like 30, um, making music. And it was a, a few shocking epiphanies I went through where I realized that I had lost this ability as a child. The, the, the first one was, you know, I love Christmas and, um, I have to one up my gift to my wife every year and she, I used to draw all these birds all the time and she loved them. I thought, Hey, you know, I, I, I used to paint so I could paint these birds. And as I opened the tubes of paint, like, and I remembered the smell, like I was completely overwhelmed with how much I missed it and how much it was a part of me that I, I just no longer had. So I painted this painting for my wife and I, I just kept painting. And I, as far as being insecure, having a moment of, of, uh, of trying to feel solid in what I do, it, it never happened because it was just something that I loved so much, and it was a re it was a connection to my childhood that, and and it's more than just my childhood. It was a connection to like me, not not the person that they raised me to be or the person that I was supposed to be, but the person that I was internally. Um, so I just painted and I painted whatever, whenever, and I just kept painting, kept painting, kept painting, and I decided to try to make a comic. And I didn't want to be a guy just carrying out a portfolio at a, at a, at a convention. So I just decided to make my, make my own comic. And uh, it was an amazing experience. And the day that I got that comic back in the mail um, after self-publishing it was the day that I got the offer to do ZVR. I mean, I am insecure about the work I do. I mean, I'm very fragile. Like, people can tell me the greatest stuff in the world, and I won't remember a thing of it. If they say one negative thing, I'll remember it. But when I'm alone in a room painting, like there's really no self-doubt at all. Like I don't think I'm badass. I'm just I'm connecting with myself mm -hmm. um, in a very very visceral way. And for me, like art in general is about the externalization of the internal processes. So for me, when I'm painting, it's all about that. And then you know later on, when you're showing somebody, there might be an insecurity or a flare-up come up like that. I mean, we're all human, right? Um, but for the most part, like in the actual process of making art, like it never comes up. I tried to quickly answer your question. I hope that covered it. No, man, that, <laughs> that was, was that was great. <laughs> that was fantastic. It was a lot more than I expected. And now <laughs> I feel like I know you a little today. bit better. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Have, uh, Melissa, did you have anything you wanted uh, to? Uh, yeah, I actually have a question um, that maybe will lighten the heartbreakingness of it. <laughs> she wants to know if you'll come <laughs> over and babysit. <laughs> Look, look at what all that stuff did for me. And I live the most amazing yeah. life right now. I have the most beautiful wife in the world, the most amazing kid, the best friends. I, I do what I love for a career. I mean, yeah, my childhood was shitty, but I mean, my life at, is a dream now. I mean, I work my butt off, but no, it's not a sad story. I mean, it's really like, 
it's 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 truly amazing the life I get to lead. And there isn't a day or really an hour that goes by that I'm unbelievably thankful for people buying the work or being interested in the work or having people like you ask me questions about the work or be interested in it. It's a it's a victory story. It's not a sad story. You're you're generally uh, one of the most uh, needlessly humble artists I've ever known. <laughs> well, the moment you start thinking like you're the badass that you made that piece of art is the moment you disconnect because it might have been a tree that that inspired you or a friend's voice or something. And when you think it's all you, you deny yourself of the tree or the friend's voice at that point. I mean, if I make a piece that moves people, it's not because I made it. It's a conjunction of a bunch of stuff, synchronicity that lined up to allow me to make that piece. So it's like a gift. And I think if you're not humble in the face of that, I don't really think in a 100% way you're a real artist. I think that you're an, an ego masturbator kind of thing. <laughs> there's, the, there's the dick jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like dicks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Women masturbate, by the way. It's true. It's yeah. true. <laughs> sorry, Trish. I'm sorry, Melissa. Did I cut you off? That's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ask my question. It's, it's kind of silly in the face of all that, but uh, Superhero Saturdays. I'm really excited to see you doing that again. Thanks, um, man. I just want to know what's what's been some of your favorite superheroes to draw, which I know is kind of a funny question because I always tell people I don't read a lot of superhero stuff, but it's still really fun to see your take on some of these classic characters. Thanks so much. I, I yeah. you know, like at conventions, a lot of times you get questions like, "Will you draw me Batman?" And I'm like, I don't fucking know how to draw Batman. Like, <laughs> I don't know where to. So it kind of started out of that. That you know. You don't want to let people down that are at your booth, you know. You want to try to give them what they want, you know, and 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 be friends with them and so forth. And a lot of times when I have to turn down commissions, I get I, I get traumatized as a result of it. So I I just started trying to draw various superheroes, and I thought it would be cool to like throw on the the Facebooks like you know a voting thing. It's like what would you like to see me draw, and then I'll put it up on Big Cartel if somebody wants it. Um, but as far as favorite books, definitely Spawn. Like I loved Spawn and I loved what Ashley Wood did with him and I what I do doesn't even come close to what Ashley Wood did, did with him but I get to kind of play in that world a little bit and that's a lot of fun I do like Batman a lot um, I think sometimes with the women superheroes I go a little overboard um, with, the, with the boobs and stuff but um, I did like magic I thought she was a lot of fun um, I grew up like loving that character in the New Mutants um, her and Warlock were, were some of my favorites what? You did a really great, really, really basic uh, Catwoman sketch. Yeah, well, a while ago that I, I thought I, was really I, awesome. I got a thing for cat suits, so <laughs> hot, right? I mean, cat Catwoman's hot. It's yeah. fun to draw things like that, you know. Um, but yeah, Catwoman was fun, and the reaction to that one was really humbling and surprising. Like people really, really liked that one. I, I mean, not to sound pretentious and be like I'm all badass, but I think that one sold off the big cartel in like less than five minutes. Like it was like gone. Which is really like, wow, people, I love people with bad taste in art. Go, go for it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. can, I, can I ask one more? Of course, Melissa, go ahead. I just want to know, um, I don't know if you've had any time to read much with all the work that you're doing, but can you just give us a couple kind of names of some comics that you've read in the past year that you really were impressed by? Well, anything Riley Rossmo does, I'm a fan of. I don't okay. care if he's doing the art or if he's writing it or what. Like anything Riley does is spectacular. Um, one of the things that floored me lately was these pages that Jason Chen Alexander did for Tome. Mind blowing. I mean, just 
brought back all the Kent Williams goo goo from from when I was a kid and the Bill Sienkiewicz goo goo, like just mind blowing stuff that that he did for Tone. Um, I love Chris Minton, and so he's doing Criminal Macabre with Steve, and I, I love reading that. I love Steve's work. Um, but generalistically speaking, you're right. I don't get a lot of time to read, and I'll be honest, when I am reading lately, I'm reading like War Machine books. So, um, and and uh, so I'm a geek in that way. So, well, me, me and Ben Templesmith are we're in the other room playing War Machine a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, um, any other questions? Uh, no, I was just gonna kind of get like a, a rundown of everything that's going to be coming up in the yeah. future. It sounds like there's, there's a lot uh, going on with 44 flood. Like what are the, what's like a rundown of the future projects and, and when can we maybe expect uh, some things? I mean, obviously Kaz would be better at answering a lot of that. I mean, yeah, there's no shortage of ideas and it seems like that we have a great deal of, I guess the best word for it would be goodwill with creators. Um, we seem to be getting a lot of, uh, the, I think the easiest and fastest way to articulate it would be that we're, our dreams are coming true with this. You know, I mean, we, we just, we've got a lot of great books, I think, um, except for the ones I'm involved in. I do know that we've got, we've got the Vice series, which is really exciting. Um, I talk Someone likes to type. Yeah. Can I tell about, can I talk Please. So the next thing we're doing um, is a series, and you're going to go, oh, God, but it's a, it's a series of art books. And what it is is it's an expose on a particular creator. Um, and it's, it's kind of branded in a, a single package in a way. Um, they're, they're single file art books from some of our favorite artists um, that we'll be doing, and it's called Sigil. Um, and that should be, we should be announcing a lot of that relatively soon. Um, and this is not a book that we're going to Kickstarter for. This is a book that we're able to do on our own and um, have it function within 44 Flood um, uh, fairly seamlessly, which is, a, which is an amazing gift that, we, that we've been able to come into. So we get to deliver these books and put these books out um, like a real publishing company. And that's making us feel like we're, we're kind of hot shit, I think. <laughs> Um, but the, the first series, it's going to be a series that goes on every year, but pretty much every year there'll be about six artists involved, and each artist will have their own 48 to 72 page book that'll basically be a chronological view of a lot of what they do, but more than just their work, which is obviously all of us want to see, we're going to have in-depth interviews and really talk to the artist about specifically what they were doing, how they got to be an artist, their, their livelihood, um, you know, because me, it's like I, 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 I love Van Gogh, but part of Van Gogh is the context. Like knowing about who Van Gogh was makes his art uh, speak more. And I think one of the things that we're missing nowadays is the ability to, to investigate an artist or a writer with, with having a lot of context. I mean, Steve Niles is a great example in the sense that he's an amazing person. I mean, this guy really cares about his fellow man and, you know, he's he's an amazing person and I think if people knew more about Steve or, or Ben, then their art speaks a little bit more. So Sigil's a lot about trying to get people to understand individual artists, and we're really excited about that project. Um, obviously, we're already starting to work on Tone 2. Um, we're really, we got a lot of crazy news about that when we get to talk about it. Um, I'm working on a book, um, probably, me and Chris Mitten are working on a book where I'm doing the writing and he's doing the art. Mm. Um, and that book, I don't think I want to talk about the title of that yet, but both me and Chris are pretty pretty crazy excited about that. 
Um, we're talking to Dave Stupakis about several different projects, who's a phenomenal artist. I don't, if you don't know him, you should look him up right now. He's an amazing painter, and he wants to make comics, which is amazing. Um, what else, man? We've got fun, tons of shit. <laughs> yeah, there'll, there'll be some there'll be some creator on stuff coming from uh, Ben Templesmith by the end of the year for sure, and then there's two or three real surprise projects that we'll be disclosing probably you know by summertime. Awesome, awesome. awesome. So, um, when is Tome hitting? Well, that's a bit controversial because we, <laughs> we we you know this is the first book we did, mm -hmm. and you know we did the Kickstarter and we're slightly late. And we apologize, but I think mm -hmm. anytime anybody gets this book in their hands, they're going to lose their mind. I mean, it's not a coffee table book. It's a freaking coffee table. It's huge. <laughs> the artwork looks amazing in it, um, but it should be out like March 1st. March 1st. So we're shipping nice. it out. And th that means that we'll get it around March 1st and we'll be shipping it out on March 2nd. Um, you know, the shipping cost alone. I mean, one of the, one of the facts about Tome is when Tome gets to our offices, it will literally weigh eight tons the delivery. Wow. <laughs> the it's it's like think about an elephant weighs two tons, so we've got four, four elephants yeah. that are coming in tone. It's it's an enormous book, and and it's it, I think each book is it's like ten pounds. But we we're trying to figure out even how to ship these things, and we ended up basically treating them almost like original paintings on on like stretch canvas. They're gonna have four uh, corner boxes, like frame. Uh, boxes and then they're, they're put into a custom-made box. We couldn't figure out another way to do it. So they'll literally arrive to you almost like you're buying a 12 by 18 inch stretch canvas painting. That's so awesome. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to get mine. I'm so psyched. Yeah, I mean, I have a copy now, but I feel bad because everybody, everybody bought some, but I, I look at it probably every day. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know how into art books you guys are, but for me, it's just a phenomenal thing. I mean, like the interviews we've got, like the Phil Hill interview was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Damien Eccles thing is unbelievable. Dave McKean's. Dave McKean. Phil Hill's uh, art was amazing. Yeah, it was, it's, it's. And do they know about the Ashley Wood stuff? Have we talked about we, it? We previewed uh, one image, but I didn't talk about it. Because, uh, do you guys know who Ashley Wood is? I do not. No. <laughs> yes. So he's premiering his photography in this. And when I first heard that, I was like, oh, I love his artwork. Wait till you see the photo. They're, they're unmistakably Ashley, and they're fucking brilliant. They're just unbelievable. Um, there's some amazing art in that book, aside from my shit. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait, man. I'm so psyched. It's going to oh, be a lot, of, a lot of fun. It's, it sounds amazing. And you guys, you know, thank you for giving us your time. I mean, it was... Uh, uh, you guys said some amazing things, and I feel like more than most of their interviews, we got to know you guys a little bit, and that's that's an amazing thing. They're good people. <laughs> no, well, we're terrible people, but thank you, thank you guys so much. I mean, it, and and it sounds like one of you got Tom. I mean, like, yeah. Thank you so much for the support and 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 and, and you know talking about us and and all that stuff. I mean, we're all just human, and we. You know, it's awesome to be a part of this together, and I, I feel like this is something we all get to do together. So, thank you so much for allowing us to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Kasagambari and Menton Three, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you, everyone else, next time on Talking Comics.